Hi everyone, my name is Emily and I'm here with Chris and Daniela. We are doing a podcast today on how we as people can understand racialized policing through intersectionality. To do this, we will be analyzing works from philosophers and organizations like the Say Her Name movement to illustrate this case. Looking at racialized policing through intersectionality. Economic inequality and unequal justice really play hand in hand when we are looking at things such as racialized policing. Racialized policing comes from racial profiling, which is where individuals are targeted based off of their race. This injustice is something that is most commonly seen among the black community, with one of its biggest reasons being the wealth gap. The wealth gap is the unequal distribution of assets between people in the United States. The wealth gap between whites and blacks in the world, with blacks being the minority, cause huge issues resulting in unequal justice towards this race of people. In the YouTube video, Racial Wealth Inequality Explained, in 60 seconds by Tone Talks, we learn that black working age families are largely invisible nationally in terms of wealth. We go on to find out from this video that over 10 million black families fall into the bottom group that owns nearly no wealth. This being said, how can we expect to have have equal justice between people when there is a huge gap in the economic inequality between these races? The quick answer is, we can't. While there are injustices between races, there are all even injustices in these races between men and women. The Doctrine of Discovery by Charles Mills, published in 2016, mentions some rights within the Declaration stating that all men are created equal. The quote brings up that all men are created equal, causing the rise of many ideas. The first being that this, this statement is objective towards men when nowhere in there is anything about women. Today's society revolves around men while the thoughts of women are often forgotten. So what does this mean for women? Now, we really need to stop and think about this. Is this where women alone stand in in society? Where does a black woman stand? The issues we have begun to recently see in society is that black women don't have access to choices. This brings up the issue of intersectionality. We are seeing issues where feminist movements aim towards white women with little to no talk of African-American women among this community. Along with this, African-American women are often victims of police brutality, but it is something that is that is very rarely been talked about until the Say Her Name movement. The goal of this movement was to bring attention to these issues. The whole concept of police brutality is something that we rarely hear talk of, especially when it is involving Black people, which due to racialized policing, most of the time it is. Chris will now take you through a more in-depth look of the issues of racialized policing. The history of racialized policing can be traced back to the foundation of police work in the United States. The end of legal chattel slavery in the U.S. coincided with an era in which the justice system 
became more rigidly codified and expansive. Unfortunately, this newly comprehensive legal system was quickly weaponized against the recently liberated African-American community. The southern states implemented a system known as convict leasing, in which convicts were rented to private enterprises for uncompensated labor, often for cents a month. Convict leasing was used to maintain the South's agricultural industry after the abolishment of de jure slavery, and convict leasing furthermore became the primary driving factor in the South's rapid industrialization. It is widely believed that convict leasing was a practice more cruel than the literal slavery that had preceded it. Enslaved persons were considered to be a form of invested capital and were therefore intrinsically valuable, whereas individuals impressed into convict leasing were considered to be expendable. These individuals were frequently killed by their Herculean workload, or they were sometimes killed directly by their overseers, who were very infrequently charged with murder. Convict leasing was sustained by the passage of many draconian laws which were used to arrest innocent individuals. While the peak era of convict leasing ended during the administration of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a form of the same practice still exists today. This history is captured in the film Slavery by Another Name. Communities of color continue to suffer under an unjust legal system. Communities of color are extremely over-policed, resulting in a disproportionate representation of minority groups in America's prisons. Moreover, prison labor is still utilized to accomplish public functions. It is believed that all of the furniture used in the University of California school system is derived from largely uncompensated prison labor, according to Angela Davis, drawing from the works of Ruth Wilson Gilmore. Unraveling this oppressive history contextualizes why injustices are occurring today. Only by understanding the history of convict leasing do we therefore begin to understand why communities of color are victimized today. Because the problem is inherent to the foundation of America's legal system, the problem is therefore institutionalized. Racism is part of the American legal system. It will not be possible to uproot the problem without seriously disturbing the existing frameworks. This approach is outlined in Exploring Social Justice by Loretta Capehart and Dragan Milan Vanovic. According to these authors, the distinguishable approach in this case is called transformative because it transforms the existing hierarchies and power structures into something more equitable. Other systems outlined herein focus on economic justice, for example, However, the transformative approach is unique inasmuch as it is necessary to alleviate a bureaucratic problem. No other form of justice can precipitate until the American economy and justice system allow individuals to begin at a more even playing field in the eyes of the powers that be. Transforming historically racist political entities is the first step in creating lasting justice. It is also important to understand how different minority identities overlapping with each other might influence racialized policing. Daniela will now speak more on intersectionality and the issue of racialized policing. Thanks, Chris. The Wealth Gap. 
a crucial aspect that exposes today's societal injustice. Also, a prime example when breaking down the connecting concepts. Intersectionality in the history of racialized policing. Intersectionality, a theory that greatly connects to the overall issue of racism, is a framework of identifying social categories or groups, including race, class, gender, etc., in which these identities overlap, creating corrupted systems of discrimination and inequality. Not only does this have an overall effect on the systems of oppression, but it exposes differences within the justice system that have led marginalized groups to suffer both economically and socially. Audre Lorde said, There is no such thing as a single-issue struggle because we do not live single-issue lives. Through Lorde's work, she identifies the constant struggles intersectional women face as privileged white feminist movements do not provide enough awareness towards the African-American community and other minority groups in that matter. Kimberly Crenshaw is an author and spokesperson that stresses the urgency of intersectionality towards concealed black victims, of discriminatory violence, and police brutality, and addresses the need for awareness of this ongoing issue. Using the names of victims who are women that have been physically abused and killed by police officers, she strives to raise awareness by her movement called Say Her Name. While society tends to focus their attention on victims who are primarily male, Crenshaw agrees with this, but also wants us as a community to realize intersectional women's lives matter the same and should not be shown anything less than her countless brothers who have been killed through policing. Which leads to another issue, freedom of choice and access. Not only do marginalized women face constant economic problems due to the wealth gap, but also face issues in regards to their access to feminine choices. Countless feminist movements that have been brought to society's attention have been brought by white women. White groups tend to over-display their issues while disregarding marginalized groups and their need for the same resources. Like Geraldo No Name, people who don't obtain economic power to a certain degree are rejected and left without care or support. To sum up this issue, Silliman discusses the idea of white economic empowerment as he mentions that the ability to control what happens to marginalized bodies is constantly challenged by poverty, racism, environmental degradation, sexism, homophobia, and injustice in the United States. Without enough financial resources to help themselves, countless underprivileged women suffer in the hands of society due to the lack of care in helping those who suffer from economic disparities. Though society cares enough to have police in these marginalized areas, they care less about the health and well-being of most living in areas of poverty. The video, Racial Wealth Inequality Explained in 60 Seconds, exposes the issues of economic power and mentions that when observing the difference in household ownership between white Americans and blacks, white households own 90% of the wealth while black households only control 2.6%. This not only says a lot about the way society focuses on its power, but exposes a great chunk of how the African-American population is not seen as a majority and, as a result, is treated as quite the opposite. Reproductive justice, a term that has arised in the early 90s by an organization called Sister Song, stresses the urgency to access marginalized women. To go off of the reproductive concept, Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective discusses how women suffer with access to contraception, comprehensive sex education, STI prevention and care, alternative birth options, adequate prenatal and pregnancy care, domestic violence assistance, adequate wages to support our families, safe homes, and so much more. All in all, to create a system of change and to give reproductive justice an opportunity to strive, we must create awareness. Awareness towards intersectionality, awareness towards the racial wealth gap, and awareness towards the constant racialized policing that occurs every single day. With that, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our analysis.